the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black. Talking money, investing, and more. Hmm... Speaker Paul Ryan says the Senate will have to take the lead on scrapping Obamacare's individual mandate. A lot of money in Obamacare, right? You've been to the hospital or doctors or pharmacy recently, right? So you kind of know there's a problem going on there. Um, So when I talk about Speaker Paul Ryan, I'm not trying to be political. I'm trying to be definitive that... uh, this could change the way you invest. Generally speaking, I'm a big fan of investing in healthcare over the long term. There's different ways of doing it. You could do it in the hospital side. Um, have you ever been to a hospital when someone gets sick, like really sick? Um, yeah, you may have like rushed someone into an emergency care. But have you ever checked in and like said, yeah, dad's got cancer and the amount of forms that you have to fill out that basically say, if we give you this service, it's going to cost money and you have to pay us. It's pretty humbling. And then you learn about some drugs that are out there and you hear crazy stories about it was either this Republican or that Democrat that under the system, the price of insulin went up 300%. You're like, why did insulin hasn't changed that much, has it? Um, rules do. So that's why you have to pay attention to the rule makers, the Congress. So the Senate added an effective repeal of the law requiring most Americans buy health insurance or pay a penalty. Senators say it'll save over $300 billion that they could use towards making tax cuts. Um, whoa. So these are big numbers. Big numbers are always interesting to me as an investor, whether you're studying demographics, whether you're looking at the census. You can become a pretty good investor just by studying numbers. I'm not saying being a quant guy. I'm saying uh, just figuring out where the dollars are going to go, right? It's the old Wayne Gretzky rule of hockey. You don't have to be the fastest on the ice. You just have to be the fastest one to the puck. And successful hockey players know where the puck's going. Apple's in the news today. I own shares of Apple. And Wells Fargo's got a analyst out there who began coverage on Apple shares. And again, analysts, we have to take it with a grain of salt because A, they don't know us. B, they don't work for us. So what this analyst did, he's getting his company known. So Aaron Rakers says, hey, I work for Wells Fargo. Who wants to listen to me talk? So he gets on CNBC and he says, Apple shares... Eh, market perform. Saying the smartphone maker's prospects are more certain after it's recently come out with the iPhone 8, 8 Plus, and 10, which 
we already have one analyst yesterday, not leaking, but saying, okay, this is what Apple's going to do next year. They're going to make a iPhone 10 gigantic version, which is exactly what we don't need per se, but it's out there. Um, so the analyst says, we believe strength in shares of Apple have been driven by a chase the performance trade, that the iPhone 810 product cycle is is what it is, and the stock has done great because of it, but chasing performance. Now, again, you don't have to buy into an analyst's opinion, and I hope you don't, but I hope you can use analysts for what they're, they're there for, give you a little bit of information, give you a little bit of insight, a little bit of comfort level with when you might want to buy it or sell it. Um, but I don't expect you to ever be great at figuring out, you know, supply demand dynamics of the uh, top communication market, I, the ecosystem, the execution of the company, um, significant R&D improvements from their investments, that iPhone doesn't have competition at this point in time versus cheaper smartphones, or is it just cheaper smartphones? There's a bit of a growing, not furor, but something's going on. I'm going to free tickets in just a second. Some people want to use their phones less. Whoa. I kind of like that idea. I dated a lovely, lovely woman many years ago. And when we were kind of going through that breakup process, she goes, one thing that I loved about you is you never looked at your phone. I'm like, whoa, I did not know. It wasn't my quick wit. It wasn't my huge brain. It was that I don't look at my phone. I guess that kind of makes me awesome. So I got tickets. Winner is going to receive a pair of VIP passes to Crossroads of the West Gun Show. So I'm giving away tickets to a gun show. It's going on this weekend, November 18th and 19th at the Cow Palace in Daly City. I've never been to a gun show. I was asked by my promotions department if I wanted to give away tickets for a gun show. I don't think I have a problem with it. So, for the novice to the hunter, to the avid collector, the big one. Crossroads of the West Gun Show. Blazing Saddles. Funny movie? Or was it too, did it go too far? You can find out more information about the uh, uh, gun show by going to kdow.biz. It's kdow.biz. It's Saturday and Sunday from basically 9 a.m. to about 5 p.m. Ticket price allows entrance for both days. Kids 12 and under are free with a parent or guardian, and they do not require a ticket. You can learn more by going to the website crossroadgunshows.com. It's crossroadgunshows.com. So winner receives a pair of VIP passes to this weekend's Crossroads of the West Gun Show. November 18th and 19th at the Cal Palace in Daly City. You can find out more information at kdow.biz. It's kdow.biz. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Wall Street's getting a little worried right now about social media outrage. And I find this... How do we... The headline news have been so discouraging recently. Um... And the internet has this just amazing ability to like call people out. And analysts are concerned right now that there's some uproar about Electronic Arts Star Wars Battlefront 2 game and how they're monetizing the in-game purchases. 
And one analyst from Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, is saying, you know, we see some controversies here. And you're saying, wait, 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 Battlefront 2, it's a game by Electronic Arts. Um, think of it like a Call of Duty, but with Jedis. Um, both good and bad Jedis. My lack of Jedi knowledge is, is on the weak side. I just had to think, is Darth Vader a Jedi? I guess he is. But there's a lot of uproar right now on Star Wars Battlefront 2 because you basically get to play the game for 60 bucks and you get to play like a, a rebel soldier. But all the iconic characters are basically locked behind a 40-hour play wall. And you can unlock that play wall by spitting dollars on top of the 60 you just spent. And some analysts are now starting to say, we're lowering our expectations on Electronic Arts because we think people are smart enough to use social media to say, screw this, we're not going to support it. Interesting, right? Especially in the light of the elections last year and the outrage that companies like Facebook have hit. Find me online at robloxshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. One in three kids now live with just one parent. Big shifts ahead. 41% of all kids are born to an unmarried mom. 41% of kids are born to an unmarried mom. 32% of all kids live with one parent. Single parenting has been on the rise for decades. The expenses of raising children alone make it very difficult to be a homeowner. Moms are three times as likely to be the single parent, but single dads are rising at a faster rate. 24% of kids live primarily with mom. 8% of kids live with dad. The demographics are shocking. Most articles on falling homeownership have focused on two influences, whether it be the government policy or the economy. But societal shifts, shifts are happening big time. A lot of people have questioned you know, what homeownership means. Uh, we're on par at this point in time to be sub-61% of homeownership rate by 2025. And that would be overly bearish. Um, so you kind of pay attention to these trends. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Does that surprise you a little bit? Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. 41% of all kids today are born to an unmarried mom. It's definitely different than what I grew up with, but it uh, doesn't surprise me. 32%, which is basically one in three kids live with one parent. Wow. So, tougher to get a home mortgage for one person than it is for two. It certainly is. And for those people who do get separated, for example, um, we see a lot of those cases where people are trying to refinance the house into the other spouse's name, and that becomes an issue. And then the, the, both those people end up staying on the loan and on title, and then that complicates the other spouses that who'd moved out. It complicates their financial situation down the road, uh, especially when trying to buy another house. I'm actually working with a client right now who has... Um, the, 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 he's separated. His new wife has been separated. He's paying out child support. She's getting child support. Uh, not child support, alimony. It's like just it gets so convoluted sometimes, but um, it it does shake up the financial situation quite a bit. So we see that kind of end result of it more often, unfortunately. What's interesting? Um, it's just interesting to think about. So things have changed. Society has changed, and uh, uh, we're not living in the nineteen fifties or the nineteen sixties or the nineteen seventies. 
So your perceptions have to change with the times. I'm, I'm one out of three kids live with a single mom. Yeah. I didn't know. I did when I grew up. I can't recall. And I grew up in on army bases, kind of. Sure. Um, so we we didn't see a lot of single parents. Um, I didn't know any children who or any friends, kids that were you know had parents that were separated. I didn't know what divorce was until like I think I turned like twelve or thirteen. Well, I didn't know where babies came from until I was like 13 or 14, so Uh-oh. I think I was even slower than you. I cracked up my science teacher. I remember um, I was struggling in science, and uh, I really, really needed to raise my hand and be participating and kind of get the teacher's influence. And she goes, well, I know where babies come from. I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh pick me, pick me, pick me. <laughs> and uh, when I said belly button, she goes outside to laugh. Kids on the floor laughing out loud they all think i'm funny they thought it was a joke and, and i was like, looking at her like what what does exactly. it say so good for you <laughs> we've all had a moment like that i think i hope i i was in eighth grade dude bueller 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 so i see a study released by zillow says the number one issue for not buying a home is down payment for renters, it was a survey. 70% of renters said that that's their number one reason for not buying a house. Is saving for down payment, which which I find, again, we go back to the way that Dodd-Frank kind of stripped away a lot of these programs. A lot of that is self-employed borrowers. Uh, Dodd-Frank stripped away one of the, I think, one of the most important products out there, and that was stated income. Now, stated income isn't really stated income. You just don't say, I make this much. You, you they, they take in you know, industry average for the, the type of work that you do and they apply it to a, a statistical area like the Bay Area and they say, you make this much and they apply that towards your income. Well, self-employed borrowers write off a lot of income, a, a, a lot of deductions. Sure. Let's say you're W-2'd, you still have the same, possibly the same kind of deductions where a self-employed person um, uh, would write it off on their, their tax return and end up with a net dollar amount of income and the lenders don't use the, the gross, they use the net as opposed to a w to an employer where they use the gross. So the, this can I, is, can I teach you some out radio? Yeah, that's kind of never too bring up net or gross again. When you bring up gross, you're like this, you're like, so I put some pudding under my bed and one day I came back and it was really gross. But when you start pulling in net and gross and talking about down payments, just say people are poor. People can't get enough money to put together. So there's a, a large class of people, you're right, that um, are, are in that 70% that say they can't save debt for down payment. But there's debt issues, student loan issues, um, high rents are yeah. hurting people's ability to save money. It feels like people should be crowdfunding, right? Possibly. Um, I want to buy my first house, and, you know, hit up all your family and friends kind of thing. Well, it's, it's also funny, too, that the, the, the renters still have the ability to buy property. They just don't have to live in the property. One of the things that we run across all the time where people say, oh, I can't buy a house in the Bay Area, but why, why not buy it somewhere else? You can at least have somebody else building equity during that time well, that you are renting. Yeah, the reason why you don't want to do that is because there's people out there who prey on you know, buy real estate out of town and there, and there are crappy positions. Um, it's actually easier to buy a rental property than it is to buy a single family property. You just have to have the 20% down. And again, you run into that issue of, huh. of down payment, but a 20% down payment here on a median home price could be 140,000, $150,000 where that is a 50% down payment or more in other places in the United States. So I, I'm, we're just talking about the mindset of, of renters 
saying that we have to buy a primary residence when there are are still other opportunities. I mean, we've talked about, um, you know, allocating your assets. And, and if you want to get a piece of the pie and, and it, it is indeed real estate. I love pie. I do, too. Okay. It's not gross. I'm thinking apple pie right now. What are you thinking? Mm. Lemon meringue. Oh, oh, lemon, huh? Yeah. I don't like lemon. I love lemon. That's one of my favorite, favorite uh, fruits to use in huh. cooking. I like cooking with it with a chicken, but not with pie. So, I don't know. I want something fresher. So, that's all I got for you. Yeah. So, 70% of renters in the nation's top 20 metro areas said their main obstacle is a down payment on buying a home. Insufficient credit and lack of job security. Job security? Huh. I don't even think about that. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. Join me now. Talk a little markets. Patrick O'Hare. Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing well. It's good to be back with you. Yeah, it's an odd day for us, which is telling us it's the holiday period. Holiday period's telling me it's the end of the year. What are we seeing as we cruise towards 2018? Well, uh, we've seen uh, clearly another good year for the stock market here uh, as we move toward 2018. Now, if we want to talk like real current events, the market is acting up a little bit here uh, over the last few days, uh, seemingly getting a little bit concerned about the the fate of tax reform plan, uh, and it's also uh, starting to turn its attention to some uh, worrisome indicators, such as a flattening yield curve. And so you're starting to see a new narrative emerge here uh, that revolves around this uh, idea that perhaps economic growth will not live up to its perceived potential, and that's kind of slowed down the market's uh, bullish enthusiasm here of late and uh, has capped the, the gains that we have been seeing, uh, uh, con- you know, continuing to persist throughout this year. <laughs> it does feel a little bit like the market is losing some steam and cooling off, um, taking a break. Is that fair to say? Yeah. It does, you know, and I think everyone needs to also take into account at this juncture when you see uh, the market back up here that it had such a fantastic run here uh, over the last several months. I mean, you're looking at, uh, you know, the S&P 500, uh, you know, for instance, over the last three months is up 4%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 6%. Um, you know, the Russell 2000 up 6% over the last three months. And then the S&P 500 information technology sector, that's up 10%. Percent over the last three months, so so these these moves have certainly set things up uh, for for some some profit taking. You've had such a, a big run in a short amount of time, and of course, when you have some headline drivers like we're seeing recently uh, that make things sound a little more worrisome than they did three, two, one month ago. Um, you get that tendency to go ahead and take some money off the table and, and de-risk a little bit here. So the Senate tax bill seems to be not dead on arrival, but I, I, I hate going into politics. I hate just even playing around with politics, living in the Bay Area. But how important do you think policymaking is going to be to 2018 returns on stock markets? Is now a time to say, you know, politically speaking, uh, we should take some money off the table? Is now the time to be thinking that maybe it does get pushed through and maybe there is cause for optimism? 
Well, our contention is certainly that there's been a lot of good news priced into the stock market already, and that would include the potential passage of a tax reform plan. Uh, it also includes uh, the persistence of low interest rates, uh, as well as the continuation of strong earnings growth. That's why you have a, a PE multiple in the S&P 500 that's at quite a you know sizable premium to its 10-year historical average. So, so you, uh, market participants are expecting a lot of positive things to unfold. So, if this tax reform plan does not come to fruition uh, in the manner that a lot of market participants are expecting, then you should see things back up a little bit and some of that. Uh, premium taken out of the market here. But at the end of the day, Rob, I mean, the important drivers, the most important driver for the stock market is earnings growth. And if you continue to see uh, you know, economic activity picking up, earnings growth continuing to pick up, and interest rates either remaining low or rising at a very deliberate pace, uh, the stock market can continue to, to hang in here uh, uh, in the sense that it, it it doesn't necessarily have to have to collapse. It doesn't mean it's going to go uh, to the moon either, uh, but it would still find some support with the persistence of low interest rates and continued earnings growth. So if you were to get tax reform uh, in the market's mind, that's kind of just like a, a cherry on top of, uh, of a pretty tasty ice cream sundae that it's been feasting on all year already. <laughs> That's well well said, well said for sure. Now, I start my morning every day with your page one column, and part of your page one column today mentions a little bit talk of retail sales. And I bring this up because it's very difficult for the average person to have a good feel for this. One headline on Yahoo says retail sales were better than expected two months in a row. And then I get into like the details of yours, your comment on retail sales, and it just increased two-tenths of a percent. Where are we at as a nation as far as consuming and buying and helping the stock market and helping the economy? Well, you know, I think as a nation, you know, consumer spending activity is is okay. It could be stronger, and it's not stronger because you're not seeing uh, uh, higher wage growth, really. Uh, and that's been a really key missing ingredient, not only for the Federal Reserve, uh, but certainly in terms of the consumer spending capacity. So, uh, so once you see you know real income growth pick up, uh, you should see stronger levels of consumer spending activity. But all that said, uh, you still have have seen you know moderate increases in consumer spending activity help support you know, 3% GDP growth that we've seen of late, that's also been paired with a, a decent pickup in business investment growth. So in terms of the retail sales report for October, uh, yes, the headlines themselves seem to be somewhat disappointing because they pointed to a, a clear deceleration in retail sales growth you know, versus the month of September. But what we have to remember is that the month of September was also helped tremendously by a big boost in gasoline station and building equipment and materials supply sales, which were directly related to the impact of, of the hurricane. And so you saw that that basically pull back here in October. And when you get you know, kind of beneath the surface of things, retail sales activity was not all that bad in October. In fact, you saw a number of increases across a number of discretionary spending categories. Uh, and so that's a good thing. So you still continue to have retail spending activity on an upward track. Um, but granted, the headline itself looked a little bit uh, uh, disappointing relative to what we saw last month. Is there anything that you're working on for your end-of-the-year forecast that we should be aware of? 
not not so much directly related to that end of the year forecast, but something you know I've been looking into and will continue to look into is this question of what is going on with the yield curve. You know, why in fact is it flattening? And uh, and one of the uh, ideas that I think will start to pop up as well is that you see the two-year, the, the front of the yield curve, continue to uh, to weaken, and that's driving yields up. And that is a reflection of this expectation that the Federal Reserve is going to go ahead and raise interest rates. But at the same time, you have yields at the back end coming down. And I think one of the notions that will start to creep up here, uh, which we haven't heard a lot lately, is perhaps maybe that uh, drop at the back end of the curve in terms of the Treasury yield uh, could be uh, a little bit of an early indication on the market's part that it worries about the Fed making a policy mistake, meaning that it raises rates perhaps too much too soon and uh, and chokes off this economic recovery effort, uh, which would be a great disappointment because that ultimately should mean that you're going to see uh, lower than expected earnings growth as well. And that, again, would cap some of the uh, potential upside for 2018 if that happens to be the case. Mm-hmm. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. As always, insightful um, ideas into the market. Um, Briefing.com is a great provider of uh, information to both domestic and international markets. That is, in my opinion, non-biased. Great way to start your day with his page one column on top of it. If you play around with Briefing's various tier levels, uh, whether it be the professional or the standard packages. You can start with page one. You can go to the big picture, the market view, swing trading, um, the Fed brief. There's so much content there for you to consume as a purveyor of information on Wall Street. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The yield curve is a tough thing to explain on Wall Street. I think Patrick does a pretty nice job of explaining it. Um, it's just, it's not a fun thing to talk about. The Senate tax bill, a little bit more entertaining and a little bit more, oh, we see how that relates to us. Copper prices have been retreating recently, telling us that maybe there's not a lot of industrial demand going on out there. I live in a fake world. I live in the Bay Area and just driving up 101 every morning to get into San Francisco. I'm like, whoa. There's a lot of demand for cranes. There's a lot of demand for construction. But that, too, will go through a cycle. Oil prices are telling us a little something. They got stronger as the year uh, hit its middle months and towards the uh, driving towards the end of the year. They held up, and they held up okay. Um, telling us that oil's probably not problematic on the downside. Um, so it's something that we'll continue to, to digest and see. Uh, commodities and and energy as a uh, thought of economic activity. Mark Cuban was on CNBC recently talking about his investment style. Now, Mark Cuban, as you all know, from Shark Tank, right? Um, He's also someone that you may or may not know, started a company many, 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 many years ago, Broadcast.com, which started to change the world of radio and television forever. I, I don't want to give him too much credit, but he is a billionaire, and he should get some credit. Um, what does he do with his money? He was recently asked a question, and um, it's pretty boring. He says cash, treasuries, mini bonds, stuff that I've had forever. And uh, he was further asked about that, and he said, well, Amazon's my biggest holding now, and Netflix is second. And, uh, you know. Those are two very sexy stocks. Those are two great stocks. 
And he follows up that statement by saying, just because of their growth, I've had them for a long time. I don't switch things around. I don't move around a lot. Um, and that makes sense because Warren Buffett, one of the greatest investors of all time, said, if, you would not, if you're not willing to own a stock for 10 years, don't even think about owning it for 10 minutes. A lot of stuff starts coming together for me. I'm not sure if it does for you. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. It's Rob Black Show. Don't forget, I always have seminars coming up. Got one coming up uh, very soon. You can find out more about that at Rob Black Show. Get in for free using the code Radio25. It's Radio25. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. One of the things I want to talk about with real estate, because I got Tony Mendez here today, and when I do, we kind of stick to that topic. Um, finding someone to work with. You know how I've always found the best people? And it, sometimes it's like, it, it, it feels like luck. Um, do you feel a, a tie to your realtors? Yes. Right. There's something there, right? So we're looking for something. Um, and I found one who I would refer to as, I'm not going to say any names, but I went house shopping and a lot of realtors do home showings and they stand there all day and people just walk in and take a look, walk in and take a look, walk in and take a look. Oh, do you need a realtor? Walk in and take a look. Oh, do you need a Like they sell their services there. You're looking for people who are not quite ready to buy yet, but are on the market thinking about a house, right? So that can be kind of a tricky situation. I found someone who was awesome that way. You know how Terry finds clients? Huh. Terry's so his, your brother. My brother. Uh, he He's a realtor. What he does is he works in an office with other seasoned realtors, yeah. um, and he offers his services to go and do open houses. Okay. That's what I was kind of saying. Exactly. And then he'll stand there. He didn't have to do any of the, get the listing. He didn't do anything except stand there. And then he hands out his cards. Right. And looking for future buyers down the road. So he, it's kind of self-serving in a way. Do you think our listeners think of that? Um, I don't know. Um, they don't, I don't think they do enough transactions to really okay. feel what it's like to be in like my shoes, for example, where I work with several realtors on a regular basis. Um, it, I would say that the, it is a very big task to find somebody that you trust. Um, you went online and you, all you wanted to do was get a, just a real quick idea of payments yeah. and you all of a sudden felt intimidated. Right. Uh, imagine, you know, you, you're pulling the trigger now and what realtor do you use? Do you use a referral? Do you use a friend? Do you use your loan agents guy? Do you use your realtor's loan agent guy? I, which way does it work? Um, most realtors are pretty loyal to their loan agent until they make the first mistake. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Um, and then they'll switch. And so, so a lot of realtors are walking around. They don't have a real solid and a confident loan agent behind them. But the, the, the reverse for us, we work with realtors that we know and we keep, we keep them in our pocket and we don't let them go. And we will always refer to them and they, and hopefully it's reciprocal. I mean, there's, there's some pretty strict guidelines on, on, on that, but, um, uh, we, we do keep real good realtors in our pocket. So it's, I would, if I was looking for a house, find a good loan agent and that's where I would start and then work with a realtor. And it, but if you work the other way around, it, it, it can, it can be as, just as successful. Okay. But I would try to find that match. I'd try to find somebody who has somebody, whether it's, it's a realtor or the loan agent has that other per, per, partner in their pocket. It's interesting so because, um, there's one guy in my home, sit, home market. Um, 
who's Asian. And he really, really plays up the Asian in his marketing. Uh, he sends out brochures with you know Chinese writing on it, with Lucky Sevens, and almost comedically, he, he looks like the Asian Urkel um, in his brochures. And I'm like, that's pretty smart. A lot of people want to do business with people I mean, who look like them. Pretty good chance that he works with Asian loan agents. That's what I'm c- kind of getting at. Yeah. Is I think my theme today is the, the marketing that we walk into and the mm-hmm. advertising that we don't even know is there. Um, there's another guy who he gives a lot of money to the school, but he doesn't really give a lot of money to the school system. What he does is he gives one transaction to the school system. And I would make that deal in a heartbeat. If you, Tony, can go and promise every every city in, in the Bay Area. Um, let's start with this one. Where are we at? Fremont. Fremont, Foster City, Redwood City, Redwood Church. If you were to go to their school districts and say, I will give one transaction, because a transaction in the Bay Area, it can be $10,000, That school system's going to go, oh my God, you're my hero. Because they don't stop and think. Tony is suddenly going to be on the mind of 100 mothers who know that their kid goes to school. And in their advertising, it says, Tony Mendez gives one big donation a year. He doesn't give a donation. He works for free. It's kind of a swap. Uh, what's it called? When you bar- kind of a barter. barter. Maybe. Swap services. Like, um, hey, if you do accounting for me, you can stay in my apartment. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a marriage all of a sudden. So, I, I think I think your point is here is that um, you could actually find a realtor. Yeah. But they may not be the best realtor, but they may be a really good marketer. And that's what our industry has gone through over the last several years. Is we, we there are a lot of really good marketers who are hitting the mar- the the market. I hear you. Um, my my brother's company that he works for. He says that his boss isn't a really good realtor, but is a fantastic marketer, and they get tons and tons of leads. And he's able to support a staff of several different other realtors that, in turn, she makes money. Um, without really being a realtor. So it is a heavily marketed, as you can tell. We're seeing more mortgage and real estate commercials nowadays, more than car commercials. Uh, so you you know it's out there. You know the one that kills me right now is the Quicken, the, the Rocket. Yeah, Rocket yeah. Mortgage. It's almost as bad as in the, in the glory days of the stock market in two thousand, two thousand one, two thousand two, and it'd have a monkey on a rocket going higher for a Super Bowl commercial, and people were like, "Well, if a monkey can make money investing, I can too." And people <laughs> lost money because of that. I hate Mark. Like I hate. It sets you up it for getting bad advice. Unfortunately, so Tony's done a lot of loans for me. Tony's a good friend. Tony will not give you any bad advice. Uh, he may overwork for you to the point where you're like, "Hey, stop it, back off." Um, you can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can listen to him and his partner tonight at 6 p.m. on KDOW AM 1220. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at RobBlackShow.com. That's RobBlackShow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.